0: The following message is by Pastor Dan McGann. Good morning. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. I'm going to focus primarily on 3 through 10, but... Read verses 1 through 10. because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ, On your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for the opportunity to share. We pray that you would control my tongue and that you would fill the hearts and the minds of your children today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this letter that Paul writes to the church in Colossa, just to give a little bit of background, the there, there's some debate among theologians as to what exactly Paul references in this letter to, Coloss- to the Colossians later on. He addresses some, uh, some problem children in the area. But really what was going on was you had sort of the Judaizers, which you've all heard that before, the Judaizers who were coming in behind Paul and his disciples and saying, yeah, that's all great that you want to be Christians, but you've got to do this. You've got to follow all these Jewish traditions in order to actually be God's children. So you had the Judaizers, and then you had sort of these mystics uh, that were, that, that were uh, polytheists and, and mysticism and all of that. And so you had in Colossa all of these uh, distractions from the gospel. And so here we see Paul address some things. Now, I, I could preach a whole sermon just on verses 1 and 2, and actually I have preached a whole sermon on verses just 1 and 2, but for sake of time today, something I want to note and point out to you is in verses 1 and 2, Paul does something in most of his letters with the exception of Philemon, he he. He addresses himself and, and, and speaks from the authority. He, he addresses who he is. He announces, this is Paul, and here's the authority. I'm the apostle by the will of God. So he's establishing his authority. Now, the difference in the letter to Philemon is he, he addresses him as his brother and his friend and brother. And so Philemon is a little bit more of a personal letter. We've preached through that, so you guys understand that. Paul establishes his authority because what he's going to do, just like he did in many of his other letters, is he's going to drop heavy doctrine, and then he's going to talk about practicum. And there's a reason that it's in that order, because doctrine drives our action. Not action determines what we preach. And this is the problem in the Western church today is that actions are now driving what is preached as doctrine and they have mixed in with culture and all of these different uh, aspects and appeasement and it is now driving their doctrine. And so they have switched what Paul intended and they have said, hey, hey, um, what we do determines what we say. And Paul is saying, Doctrine drives your action. and He, 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 he mentions that. He says uh, in verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So Christian behavior is dictated by truth. And the belief of that truth. And so when we don't conduct ourselves as believers, it's because we're actually acting in unbelief. We don't believe God's truth. We don't believe that doing it God's way is actually going to bring us ultimate joy and happiness. So so just a little thing that he points out there. And then we're going to see where some things are in order. If you look at Paul's letters, he always says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Almost every one of his letters, it says grace to you and peace, or it closes with grace to you and peace. There's a reason for that. Grace always precedes peace. Grace always precedes peace. You want to have peace in a relationship? Grace has to precede peace. Without peace, I mean, without grace, there is no peace. And Jesus is grace. He doesn't talk about grace because he is grace. And so Paul is establishing, hey, peace comes after grace. Isn't that interesting that we have a world that wants to switch that around too? They want everyone to be at peace without actually having any level of grace prior to it. Without having, they don't want. They don't want a world. They want a world full of peace, but they want it without grace. They don't want to show any grace for past mistakes. They want to. They want to have peace without any grace. And Paul is saying, grace always precedes peace. So I just want to point those two things out in verse one and two before we dive into three through ten. So truth is the basis for all right action. That sounds obvious. Most people in the world would agree with that. But truth is the basis for all action for the Christian. We live in a society where there is a rejection of absolutes. Behavior is based on what you want and not what is the truth. It is in stark contrast to the faith of a Christian. We used to say, when I I first became a believer, we used to say that we were in a post-Christian society. That things were trending to where Christianity was no longer the dominant source of people's moral foundations and all that. We were in what's called a post-Christian society. I would actually argue that right now we are in an anti-Christian. Christian society. That that is the line that is being drawn. So from the Christian's viewpoint, all behavior is related to truth. Good behavior is related to revealed truth. So there has to be absolutes in order for us to have the ability to live, as Paul says to the church in Corinth, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now it says, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So there's a direct correlation to knowing what the truth is, and therefore the, your behavior responding to that. And, and and to put it in simple terms, if I drive 83 miles an hour down the road... Um, and I get stopped by a police officer, it's because the truth, I just passed a sign that said 60 miles per hour is the speed limit. And if I'm driving 83 miles an hour, I don't believe that sign. I don't believe that. I believe my limit is 83 miles an hour. And there is a standard bearer that comes along with blue lights and a ticket book, to remind me what the truth is. And there are consequences to that. That's an absolute. And my action of disbelief in the absolute affected my behavior. That's that's the, the most basic way that I can put it. You can go to Wegmans and you can decide... I'm not going to pay cash or check or use my card. I'm just going to go ahead. Eggs are ridiculously priced. I'm just not going to pay for them at all. I'm just going to... As a matter of fact, I'm going to pay what I think I should pay for eggs. I'm going to leave my $2.50 on the counter, and I'm going to walk out with my $9 eggs. Guess what? Someone's looking for $6.50. Because the absolute was that the, the eggs are $9, and just because you think you should only be paying two dollars doesn't mean anything, but it affected your behavior because what you thought, what you wanted, you did, but the truth determines what you should actually do. So, so there's the basic, right? That's the basic understanding. So what is the truth? Well, we all would agree that this is the truth. And Paul is trying to get the Colossian church Back to that. Because there's all these other voices and all these other people and all these other things that are invading this church. Now remember, Paul's never stepped foot in the Colossian church, it was planted out of the Ephesian church, out of the church in Ephesus, which he planted. So this is his grandbaby church, right? Epaphras actually was part of the planting team for, for the church in Colossa. Why? Because Epaphras was from Colossa and he got saved in Ephesus. And he went home and started a church because that's what people who believe Jesus do. They go and they tell others about it. And they gather a bunch of people and they teach the Word of God and they teach the truth. They put up the 60 mile an hour signs and they say, hey guys, you've been speeding at 83. And so that's what happened here. So absolutes are always the basis for determining moral quality of actions acceptable behavior in society and that's why the world we live in looks so crazy because nobody wants to have an absolute they want what they want they want to do things their way how they want and it's not for you to tell me what the absolute is That's the the current of the society that we live in, particularly in America. But it is not limited to America. It is worldwide. Because sin is worldwide, and total depravity is worldwide. And so that whole concept is worldwide. Sidebar, that's exactly where the adversary wants the world to be. Matter of fact, that's exactly how this whole thing started. Because he didn't actually say it's not true he said will you surely die it was more of a questioning of the truth that's where he started it all was question the truth and now you have whole websites and organizations dedicated to questioning the truth what's the com? is org. they want to Take the truth and make it irrelevant. God lays down some principles, how we behave in relation to these principles. Romans 7, 7. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. In other words, Paul says, the only way that I can evaluate the morality of my deeds is to find an absolute and to find the standard and to operate in that standard. And he's saying, hey, church in Colossa, Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the head of the church. That's what the whole book is about, is focusing Jesus as the head. Get focused back on Jesus. The Judaizers, the polytheists, the mystics, they're all speaking into you right now, and here's the truth. And I'm the Apostle Paul, and I have the authority of, from the will of God to deliver this doctrine to you, and this doctrine will affect the way you behave. And so this is so, what's so important here. There's a standard that is authoritative that is established, and it is the Word of God. It is a book of absolutes, of principles, of laws, yes. And the first thing is in the objective, the first objective in the Christian life is to believe the truth. And to compare yourself to it, and surrender to looking more like that and less like you. That's the, that's the objective in the Christian life, is the pursuit of holiness. not in, And again, this is why it's so important for us to understand that grace precedes peace. Because we have, we have peace with the Father through His grace. We don't have to be perfect to be presented to Him. Jesus already made that possible for us through the, the application of atoning blood. Because the only response to the knowledge of these absolutes is proper behavior, is proper living, is loving your neighbor as yourself. As the, these are these, This is the only logical response to the truth my wife and I were having this conversation in the car going down the road and I we were were talking about something and there was a there was a level of unforgiveness and I said your unforgiveness is a sign of your unbelief not a great thing to tell her right you know especially while I'm driving and she's holding a hot coffee I said well your your unforgiveness is evidence of your unbelief You, you 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 don't believe that if you don't forgive them God won't forgive you It's evidence of your unbelief. She said, well, what are you not believing? I said, well, first thing, I'm not believing that speed sign because I'm going about 75 right now. When we don't believe the truth, which is the truth and is the standard, it affects our behavior. It absolutely, whether you like it or not, it affects your behavior. When we become selfish and we become uh, uh, self-centered, it's because we don't believe the truth that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. So th- this is so important. Look again at verses 3 through 5. Because Paul puts some other things here to remind us. It, we we talk about the order of salvation, right? We talk about uh, whom he predestined, he he then Justified, whom he, justified he, uh, whom he predestined, he called, whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he glorified. We, we love to talk about the order of salvation. We see here sort of an order that Paul gives us in verses 3 through 5. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Verse 4 Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love that you have for all the saints, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. The gospel truth not only received by faith and results in love, but it rests in hope. And I don't think there's a body of believers in this county that has experienced that hope more than us this week. Three losses and a gain, right? That hope that rests. Love is a result of faith. Paul clearly says, we heard of your faith in Jesus and the love that you have for his saints. If you do not have love for people, you do not have faith. (laughs) Paul is saying, love is a result of faith. Another word, That our culture wants to destroy the word love. Okay, truth, God is love. That's the it's a word of truth. Love outside of God's design is not love. Love You can call it what you want, but love outside of God's design is not love. So here we see Paul saying, your faith produces love and it has a foundation in hope. And it all comes because of the word of truth, the gospel. It is all made possible by, it's kind of like the the end of the, The end of the movie, all this was made possible by, right? The gospel truth is not only received by faith, it results in love, and it rests in hope. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abides faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Now look down a bit more. Look down in verse 9 again. You see... You have to have a basis of knowledge before behavior can proceed from it. So, so to know God and to know his will and then to conform to it, the Bible itself illustrates this throughout. Let me give you an illustration. In all the letters of the churches to the New Testament, without exception, this thing is illustrated. That, that first, you have a bottom line of absolutes, and then you have a call to behavior. That, that, we, we've established that, right? The truth affects practicum. And practicum cannot drive what we proclaim as the truth. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice. I beseech you. Now what he's saying there in Romans, he's saying, here's what I'm, Asking you to do with what? What is he beseeching them about? Well, chapters 1 through 11 in Romans. See, that's, verse, that's chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What is he beseeching them about? The first 11 chapters. What's the first 11 chapters exactly? Absolutes, doctrine, the basis of of truth. He spends those 11 chapters nailing it down tight. And then in chapter 12 says, Now therefore, I beseech you, take this truth and do something with it. Act on it. And when Paul has laid out 11 chapters of absolutes, and you can read them if you'd like. That's a good reading. Next 11 chapter, first 11 chapters of Romans a good one for you to read tonight. He doesn't ask them to do anything except understand the principle. And then in chapter 12, he says, I beseech you. This is how that should affect you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Towards the end of the chapter, verses 54 through 58. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. We just sang about the victory in Jesus, right? Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory Through our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, my beloved brothers, he establishes truth and he says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. The absolute, God's going to give you an immortal, incorruptible body. That's the truth. That's the absolute. You have no fear of death, no sting of death. The sting of death is sin. That's all been removed. Thanks be to God. The action, it's described in the last. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This appears all over the place in Scripture. 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, First and 2 Thessalonians. And here in Colossians in chapter 1, Paul is saying, I'm praying that you might know God's truth because it is the basis for all of our behavior. It takes away the fake it till you make it mindset. You can't fake it if you don't know it. All right, so then the basis of behavior is simple knowledge of God's truth. And that's why we teach the principles of God's Word so heavily, so regularly, and so repetitively here at this church. It's why the Word of God is constantly, constantly preached in its entirety, without exception, because it is absolutely necessary for us to behave properly and to bring honor and glory to God. So that's Paul's prayer here. His prayer is... In Colossians chapter 1, it has has two parts. We can't get into all of them today. The praise part in verses 12 through 14. It's a good pattern for prayer. Petition and praise. Petition and praise. There's so much to cover that there's just no way we would have the time to do it. But I believe that God is supreme and I believe that God's word is authoritative. And I believe that that authoritative word is is the basis for all our understanding. Now, let's go back to verse 9. Let's look at it again. I know we're spending a lot of time in that verse, but I want you to see something. The objective for me as a Christian is to get into the Bible, learn it, know it, and this is why. Because you're not always going to feel it. And mysticism creeps in and talks about feeling. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? Aiden and I were driving down the road one day, and this song came on, and I'll leave the song nameless because some of you no doubt love the song. But in the song, it just talks about, do you feel it? Do you feel it? Do you feel it? Do you feel it? And Aiden says from the back seat, he goes, Dad, you don't like this song, do you? I said, huh? He said, I know every time this song comes on, you either cut it off or you frown. I said, so that just opened the door up for me. I said, son, let me tell you why I don't like this song. Because it's all about feeling God. And God isn't a feeling. He is God. And I have to know some days. And this was was the Tuesday after Randy passed. This past Tuesday. And I said, I don't feel God right now. But I know that it's true. I know that the truth, but I don't always feel it, son, and you're not always going to feel it, and so church can't just be a feeling. You have to know God's truth and know what it is, and I will do my absolute best to believe that truth today, and I will praise him in the storm, I said, our family's in a storm right now, son, and that's why I don't like this song. And he goes, Well, I don't like it. <laughs> the right objective for the Christian is to know the deep down truth. Because we have an adversary who wants us to question that truth on the regular. And we have a culture that accommodates that questioning. And so there are outlets all over the place for us to stray away from the truth of God. Wisdom is turning all of that information into principle to apply it in my life. This is John MacArthur's words. Wisdom is turning all of that information into a principle that I can apply to my life. John MacArthur calls that principalizing the Bible. He systematically draws out the truth, creates principles for his life, and adheres to them. Paul is saying the exact same thing to the church in Colossa. He's saying the exact same thing to the church in Nelson. The truth is what needs to be believed, adhered to, and held to, no matter how strong the winds, no matter how dark the storm, the truth needs to be held on to. Do you know what the longest chapter in the Bible is? Anybody know? It is in Psalms. What is the longest chapter in Psalms? It's 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. And you know what it's all about? Knowing God's Word. The entire chapter is all about knowing the truth of God's Word. So I believe that's one of the main messages for our life, that we have to know the truth, and it will Cause us to behave the way God intends. This has been a rough week. This has been a really hard week. If my foundation of my truth was unsteady, I'd have never made it through. But knowing the truth of the Word of God, knowing His promises, knowing the character and nature of my God. So right behavior is based on right knowledge. And we establish that behavior is directly related to knowledge. And Paul drops three more things. I'm going to read into verse 11. He drops three more things. I'm going to close there. If you look at verse 11, after he just says, bearing in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. He says, strengthen us, God. Your truth, your truth, God, strengthens us. We pray that you will strengthen us through your truth. Not through what we do. Strengthen us through your truth because you're you're powerful. Your truth has power. So he says, strengthen us, God. And he says, prepare us. Prepare us. That is an important piece of the prayer. Because we live in a fallen world. And it's not if trials come, it's when trials come. And Paul is praying, saying, Lord, your your truth, your knowledge is powerful. Strengthen us with all power according to his glorious might. doesn't say pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and endure it. He says it's God's power that helps us to endure. So he says strengthen us, prepare us, and give us joy. And you've heard this from the lips of every elder and teacher in this church. Don't mix happy and joy. Joy is found in the Lord alone. I had a very unhappy week, but I had a joyful time in the Lord. Living a life based on the absolutes of the Word of God produces the right behavior within us, which in turn strengthens us, prepares us to endure pain with the joy knowing why Our faith produces love and it has its foundation in hope. And it is all a result of the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be back with my home church, my family. Get to grieve with them and celebrate with them as we celebrate new life and we grieve the loss of others. Others who are not dead, but have just transitioned into your eternal presence. Lord, we are thankful what joy your truth gives us even in times of unhappiness. Because of the faith that you've granted us to believe in you, it has produced the love that we experience. Not only the love that pours out from you, but for us to be able to pour out that love on others. All founded in the hope of the resurrection. Knowing and believing that the mortal will take on immortality. And it is all because of your truth. We would not know this if it wasn't for your truth. And we thank you for the truth of the word. May we not be attracted by mysticisms. May we not be regulated by legalisms, but may we be united in the truth. And may we, as Paul said, walk in a manner worthy of You. And may those actions bring You honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.